Welcome to PDF Podcast number 22. This is Romeo 1 Oscar. Quick recap on uh, Final Story yesterday. The Contra Costa DA, I looked into it. In her election in 2018, she got $275,000 injected from um, George Soros-aligned groups, what do you want to call them, you know, Open Society, other foundations, just the cancer of these foundations and NGOs. You're seeing in countries um, in Europe, Russia, Hungary, I'm not sure about other ones, um, I think it's the Visegrad group, but they are outlined outline many of these organizations they hide under some kind of uh, altruistic goals but really they're just there to undermine and then I don't know how many people caught the Joe Biden uh, gaffes yesterday but it was quite telling and what's interesting too is ABC News is now saying how they're talking about, oh, Russia's trying to push that the presidential candidates may be ill. They're trying to push these ideas out there. And so, while they could potentially be doing about any candidate, they've focused it to say that it's a Russian plot, essentially, just to make <laughs> to make Joe Biden look bad. I mean, if anybody watched those videos yesterday of him, it's, I know many people are like, oh, it's sad, it's sad. Well, please realize, going back decades, Joe Biden has been working internationally with many organizations like George Soros' organizations, particularly in Ukraine, in order to fleece those countries. He is not a good person. And sometimes that's why I think that they're running him as a candidate. It's a way to try to protect that entire crime organization that they've set up under the guise of some sort of political <laughs> it's 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 bad, you know. Um, just recap, you know, his son was earning tens of thousands of dollars Ukraine sit on a board for Burisma when he made he didn't do anything he didn't even go over there and then his investment company Rosemont Capital was got 1.5 billion invested in it from China should be apparent why China likes Joe here's an interesting story I saw this last night. Trump looks to defund New York and other anarchist cities. President Trump has requested that federal government defund four cities, New York City, Portland, Seattle, and Washington, D.C., according to a scoop from the New York Post. In these, city, in these cities, negligence by city officials combined with decimated police budgets and lockdown measures has led to lawlessness and riots. My administration will not allow 
federal tax dollars to fund cities that allow themselves to deteriorate into lawless zones, Trump said as part of a five-page memo. To ensure that federal funds are neither unduly wasted nor spent in a manner that directly violates our government's promise to protect life, liberty, and property, it is imperative that the federal government review the use of federal funds by jurisdictions that permit anarchy, violence, and destruction in American cities. Attorney General William Barr has been tasked with creating a list of anarchist jurisdictions. In light of this unconscionable rise in violence, I have offered to provide federal law enforcement assistance, but both Mayor de Blasio and Governor Andrew Cuomo have rejected my offer. As a result, these state and local gov- of these state and local government policies, persistent and outrageous acts of violence and destruction have continued unabated in many of America's cities, such as Portland, Seattle, and New York. Mayor Muriel Bowser allowed rioters and anarchists to engage in violence and destruction in late May and early June, requiring me to call in the National Guard to maintain law and order in the nation's capital. While violence has surged, arrests have plummeted. In a 28-day period during the months of June and July, New York City arrests were down 62% from the same period in 2019. Amidst, amidst the rising violence, Mayor Bill de Blasio and the New York City Council agreed to cut $1 billion from the New York City Police Department budget, including by canceling the hiring of 1,163 officers. On July 1st, Seattle declared the protest zone dismantled, but such failed leadership continues to harm the people of Seattle as, in recent weeks, rioters have engaged in violence and destruction of property across Seattle, resulting in at least 59 police officers being injured in multiple businesses and vehicles vandalized. In New York City, gun violence has risen by 177% in July. Portland, Seattle, and Washington have been the sites of violent riots throughout the summer. An executive order such as this would follow the executive order on protecting American monuments, memorials, and statues, combating recent criminal violence, which Trump signed on June 26th. The order goes on to say, in the midst of these attacks, many state and local governments appear to have lost the ability to distinguish between the lawful exercise of rights to free speech and assembly and unvarnished vandalism. They have surrendered to mob rule, imperiling community safety, allowing for the wholesale violation of our laws, and privileging the violent impulses of the mob over the rights of law-abiding citizens. The order indicated that funding could be pulled from cities that refuse to protect and safeguard public monuments, statues, or federal property. This is very interesting. Um, There's a story I'm going to get to later about um, how they've deputized the Oregon State Police. But what it seems to me is essentially they are putting these cities on notice. These cities, uh, many don't realize that maybe, is how much money they get from the federal government. Um, how much money? 
Okay, yeah, New York City. So this is from the New York Post article. The amount of money impacted by Trump's order would be massive to New York City. For example, gets about $7 billion a year in federal aid. And Portland gets $252 million in federal aid. And, this, and these include um, things for police operations. And, you know, you, you've got to wonder where some of this money is going. And especially you look at a place like Portland where it does seem as if the mayor himself and the DA are working in some way with Antifa. So they're getting federal funds, which is supposed to go in one direction, but it doesn't appear that they're putting that money in that direction. And then they're saying they're going to take money away from the police. Simultaneously, they've got DAs in power who aren't going to prosecute these people who are putting criminals back on the street. Add to that, all of these jurisdictions let many criminals out of jail. As part of COVID, they released hardened criminals onto the street as these, or just before many of these riots ensued and as crime started spiking. So they had this riots and insurgency and they've got criminals on the street. I mean, the insanity of all of this and putting the people that live in their cities at risk. You, you know... You look at the gentleman that was first shot in um, Portland, or I'm sorry, Kenosha. Let me restate that. The gentleman that first was shot by Kyle Rittenhouse. This individual, according to his pre-sentence report, this was the guy, Joseph Don Rosenbaum. He apparently if I read this correct, was he molested five kids in the pre-sentencing report. And this is a guy that's out there along with who knows how many other felons, other criminals. These are the people that make up the bulk of Antifa. It is made up of criminals, mentally disturbed individuals, public school teachers. <laughs> Again, I have to restate that. How many public school teachers are out there? A lot. If you go look at Andy Noe's Twitter and look at his arrest that he breaks out, the mugshots, a lot of these people are teachers. And then there's the Google and Microsoft engineers as well. Wow. This next one comes from the Federalist. Former lawyer for Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, is working to push Kanye off the ballot. As rapper Kanye West, presidential campaign races to get him on the ballot in many states as possible before their respective drop-dead dates, longtime Democrat lawyer Mark Elias. It's a very important name. And we'll get to why. Is aiding and fighting to keep West off the ballot. Why do you think that would be? Hmm. Elias 
chair of Perkin Coy's political law group, previously worked as a lawyer for numerous Democratic campaigns, including Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, and John Kerry. Now Elias is listed as counsel on a suit filed Tuesday in Richmond, Virginia Circuit Court. The suit's plaintiffs... Well, let's come back here. So, worked for Hillary Clinton, Perkins Coy. Important thing to realize in that sentence is Perkins Coy and Mark Elias were the people that paid for the Trump dossier, the Steele dossier, the one that was proven to be false with FISA. These are dirty lawfare tricksters here. The suit's plaintiffs include two voters and Virginia residents, Matthew. Methane Wilson and Brian Wright, who claimed they were misled by signature collector and tricked into volunteering to be electors for West campaigns. The suit states both plaintiffs would not have signed the elector oath but for these false pretenses, and they do not intend to vote for West or support his candidacy. The suit seeks to have West kicked off the ballot in Virginia and is asking for a media court intervention as deadlines approach for printing and mailing absentee ballots. The recent involvement of Elias and his prominent Democratic law firm affirms the belief that Democrats are concerned that having West on the ballot, especially in swing states, would siphon black votes away from Democratic nominee Joe Biden. When House Majority Whip James Clyburn, Democrat, South Carolina, was asked last week if West goal was to hurt Biden, he replied, I don't think there's any question about it. He is currently on the ballot in at least eight states, including Arkansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, Vermont, Tennessee, Minnesota, Idaho, and Iowa. So, while I think that both parties have their criminals within it, the Democrats and their continued reliance upon Alinsky tactics are the premier criminal party in our country, which often results in people when they do discover that the Democrats are so criminal, they'll be like, well, they both do it. You know, it's a whataboutism game. The fact that (laughs) the fact that they're so worried about Kanye because he is he's a uh, wild card but isn't it interesting how they continue to expect minorities to behave a certain way and especially to now and that's why we're seeing Joe come out of his basement the violence went too far their little militias with BLM and Antifa went too far, and now they're trying to pull back. That's why you saw Joe Biden come out and speak, whatever it was he was doing. I almost wonder sometimes if they're feeding the guy Adderall. You know, at times he seems somewhat lucid. As I often say, my friends, it is interesting times. So I think it's pretty clear right now that I think every one of us, one of the first times I can say this is United B 
behind voting for Trump simply because this country is in a very bad place. We have these critical race theorists within the Democrat Party trying to spread this cancerous philosophy which just sticks up for racism. It tries to implement racism as an objective. Many of these people, there is a guy from uh, Boston University that... um, Jack Dorsey gave $10 million to this guy. And this guy said something to the effect of, in order to overcome past racism, we need current racism. And we need future racism to address present racism. Essentially saying that we can't avoid racism, we should justify racism. And you even have some of these people who are leading these BLM parties who are saying that they want to make whites slaves. <laughs> I laugh because it's just complete insanity. This comes from Just the News. DHS tells Portland Democratic Mail to prioritize public safety or feds will intervene. Acting Secretary of Homeland Security Chad Wolf is urging Portland Democratic Mayor Ted Wheeler to request federal assistance for his city following nearly 100 straight days of rioting. And we know a lot about this. According to a letter Monday from Wolf to Wheeler, the Department of Homeland Security has made 255 arrests and declared 23 instances of riots and unlawful assemblies during the past month alone. He also wrote that Wheeler has, amid the chaos, stood passively by arguing that nightly violence will ultimately burn itself out. The evidence demonstrates otherwise. And, you know, Wheeler wants to blame Trump. The, the, the Antifa got into his building and tried to burn his building down. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't even understand how people buy the propaganda um, that this guy is somebody good. I Portland, what in the world are you people doing keeping this man in power? So uh, as a little follow-up to that, katu2katu.com, Oregon State Police Troopers deputized by feds. Oregon State Police Troopers have been deputized by the federal government. That means they can act on behalf of the feds even though they work for a state agency. In a statement, OSP said it has worked with the U.S. Attorney's Office to review arrest, but it didn't confirm if any of the people it has arrested have been charged federally. Katu has reached out for more clarification on that, but it also said that OSP isn't criticizing the Multnomah. I need to learn how to say that. I'm going to have to learn. I think it's Multnomah County District Attorney but to meet the governor's charge of bringing violence to an end, we will use lawful methods at our disposal. 
this is an interesting move because this doesn't bring the Insurrection Act um, into play um, if they can do this. It's a way to bypass that. Uh, essentially, Oregon State Police had gone into Portland previously. They left Portland because the people weren't being prosecuted. They had to go in day in, day out and keep arresting the same people. And then this is part of that no bail thing that we have seen across the country in many places, whether it's um, New York, Portland here. It's just a way to put the citizenry at risk. The do-gooders in line with just criminals running these uh, political parties particularly the Democrats. And let me highlight, I didn't point out, but there are many rhinos in the Republican Party. We are starting to see an interesting swing because there's that Kimberly from Baltimore and there's some other people that I've seen, new young faces within the Republican Party. It's much more populist. First is this corporatist, uh, neocon, old school Republican. Those types all don't like Trump, and they're voting for Biden. And look at what a mess Biden is. It is an insurgency from within inside this country working to take Trump out. And anybody that supports Trump, they made that very, very clear by the way that they have tried to prosecute anyone and everyone who was part of Trump, part of his campaign. Those are mob tactics. Mob tactics hidden under law. It is law fair, war fair. Last one for the day. And again, I want to thank everyone who has chipped in and helped us out here. Um, as you guys can see, we do have new logos. We are working on many things behind the scenes. Don't like to talk about it too much, but you can hear from the podcast here how we're doing this. I mean, it takes a lot of effort um, to put all of these things together that we're doing, interacting with one another, doing the research. So if you like what we were doing, I just ask that, you know, share this with your friends. And if you don't mind, if you really like it and you want to see us keep doing this, throw some bucks in there, whatever you can spare. Um, that will allow us to continue to build out and create a platform where we can share this information with all of you. This is a very disturbing story. Comes from Fox LA. New California bill would lower penalties for adults who have sexual relations with a minor. A new bill headed to California to Governor Gavin Newsom's desk 
would lower penalties for adults who have consensual sex with a minor if the offender is within 10 years of age of the victim. SB 145 passed in both houses of the state legislature late Monday evening. If signed into law, a 24-year-old could have sexual relations with a 15-year-old child without being required to register as a sex offender under current law. While it is illegal for an adult to have consensual sex with a teenager between 14 and 17 years old, who cannot legally give consent, vaginal intercourse between the two does not require the offender to be listed on the state's offender registry as long as the offender is within 10 years of age of the minor. Instead, the judge has the discretion to decide based on the facts of the case. Senator, State Senator Scott Weiner, who presented the bill, said the existing law disproportionately targets LGBT young people for mandatory sex offender registration since LGBT people cannot engage in vaginal intercourse. The bill was sponsored by the L.A. County District Attorney's Office. I wonder what kind of funding Deputy District Attorney Bradley McCart has. According to the bill's language, the goal of SB 145 is to exempt from mandatory registration under the act of a person convicted of certain offenses involving minors if the person is not more than 10 years older than the minor and if the offense is the only one requiring the person to register. So does that mean a 21-year-old? I mean, they talk about here, any sex is sex. I don't care who it is between or what the sex act is. That being said, I cannot in my mind as a mother understand how sex between a 24-year-old and a 14-year-old could ever be consensual. Okay, so it's with a minor over 14. I was wondering about, like, what if it's a 21-year-old and 11-year-old? Still, it's just degeneracy pushing further and further down. And it does make me wonder about some of the people behind this, why they would want this so badly. Seems to be a big push. Seems that they're going for the disparity in age issue. I don't know. It's a crazy world, my friends. This is Romeo One Oscar, and I am out. Mm -hmm.